um, you know, uh, in my life, what I thought would make me happy has changed throughout the years. At six years old, Looney Tunes would make me happy. At 16, Looney Girls <laughs> made me happy. <laughs> and that, at 26, it was something else. So here's my point. Joy and happiness has seemed, in my experience, to be a moving target. It's something that never stood the same. What made me happy in one era of my life did not make me happy in another era of my life. What I thought would bring me joy and satisfaction in one place, in one stage of life, did not in another stage of life. In fact, it was a burden. Now, here's the thing. I discovered that I'm not alone. That everybody that I know is looking to be happy. Everybody wants joy. Everybody wants to be filled with, in fact, most of the people that I talk to when I say, what do you want out of life? They just, the, anybody know what their response is? I just want to be happy. It's universal. Everybody goes through it. But here's the thing. You're either going to be a person who pursues joy as a novice, or you're going to be a person who pursues joy with great intention and great accuracy. See, everybody's pursuing joy. That's not the question. The question is, will you get what you're pursuing? Will you receive that which you're searching for? Here's the problem. The problem is, is that most of us will spend most of our lives pursuing something that we think will give them joy, only to discover that it does not satisfy, that it does not give the joy that we're looking for. This message today, I'm so glad you came. If you're here for the first time, you, I'm telling you, I'm going to, I'm, in this message, God's word is going to catapult us into 50 years worth of wisdom so that we don't have to use up all that time and look back on our deathbed and say, oh man, I was climbing up the ladder of success only to find out that it was leaning up against the wrong building. See, you don't want to wait till the end of your life before you figure that out. You don't want to say, I'm pursuing joy, I'm pursuing happiness, only to discover that the things that you're pursuing do not provide neither joy nor happiness. So today, you got to listen. Listen, if you've never come to church, if you say, if the only reason you came to church is because mom said, hey, they're taking a picture and you got to come, right? <laughs> and then, or if you were crazy enough to go, ma, what do you want for... Mother's Day. She said, I just want you to come to church one time. Just one time, right? And so if that was your story, I am so grateful that you're here. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you thought you were going to come into something that would have no effect on your life. This is the whole ball of wax. This is everything. You miss this, you miss happiness. You miss this lesson, you miss joy. You miss this lesson, you will not receive all that you desire for your future. And I know you want happiness, and I know you want joy. So give me five minutes of your time, 
and see if I can't convince you that this is where this is going. And then give me just a few more minutes to tease it out. God knows that he created us for joy. Did you know that? God created you for joy. He created you to have, he wouldn't have given you those feelings. He wouldn't have given you that desire, that longing, if in fact he could not fulfill it himself. And so God says, listen, you are, have you ever heard this? That you're not a, uh, that you're a, a, what is it? You're a spiritual being having a worldly experience or something like that. Something to that tune, right? Well, here's the thing. God has made your spirit to go on forever. And so he knows better than anybody else what can satisfy your soul. Listen to me. If God gave you a soul that goes on forever, why would you settle to be satisfied with things that only last for a little time? But we do all the time. All the time. We think, we think, I know, I know, money, money will make me happy. And I don't know if you know this, but do a study on those who are considered wealthy, $250,000 or more a year. Find out the suicide rate at that level. Money doesn't make you happy necessarily. I know, I know, if I just had a lover, and anybody can tell you that that does not, is not the permanent answer. All you have to do is speak to a married person for, and I know that sounds funny, but I don't mean it to be, a married person to realize for a few years to go, oh, wait, 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 I thought they were going to make me happy, but they're not. This is something else. This is a holy matrimony, and they're not designed. They can't. They don't have it in them. They're not God. We think career, prestige, respect, power, that will make me happy. Only to discover that you can get to the highest levels of power and still not be satisfied. You see, your soul is going to go on for your, forever, so your soul will not satisfy for just temporary. Your soul needs forever. God, knowing this about our souls, has decided that he would give us something that would never wear out, something that will only continue to produce joy, something that will only continue to grow in our affections, and what he's decided to give us, this is crazy, is himself. He said, I will be the source. I will be the, the very thing that you look for that will give you joy unspeakable. Now, if you're here and, you, and you're sort of kicking the Christian tires or you're not sure about Jesus or you have other ideas of what, what joy is, what I just said sounds crazy. You go, no, 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 Jesus is not joy. That girl is joy or that guy is joy, or this amount of zeros in the bank account at the end of the number one, that is real joy. And I'm telling you, listen to me, you find that you get to the end of your life. Listen, I was young and now I'm older. You get to the end of your life. You get to the, man, you get to the middle of your life. You get to the middle of your life. And you go, whoa, this does not Satisfy. So Jesus says, 
I'm going to give you what you absolutely desperately need. And I will be the very thing that never stops satisfying. Now, turn in uh, your Bibles with me, if you have your Bibles, to John chapter 15. If you don't have your Bibles, we love you and we thought about you and we put the scriptures right in your bulletin. And if you can't see the small font and you're over 40, we've put it on the screen so that you could, everybody could read along, okay? Now, one of the traditions that we have in our church is to stand at the reading of God's word. Why? Because God's awesome. He's wonderful. He's amazing. And so we recognize that there is something beautiful about God's word and we reverence his word. Okay, so now we're going to read, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9, and we're going to read verses 10 through 17 together. So you guys come in at 10 through 17, I'll do 1 through 9. Is that fair? Is that okay? So listen up. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me... And I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will I love. Just as I have remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because servants does not know what is master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So we're looking for joy. We're pursuing joy. We desire joy. And we're either going to find it or not. But it really depends on where our source of joy is. Now, Jesus is speaking these words. These are the last words that he's going to be able to speak to his disciples. 
starting in verse uh, in chapter 13, ending somewhere in uh, chapter 19. This is the upper room discourse. This is where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's the last time he's going to have dinner with them. Let me ask you something. If you're having dinner with the people that you loved the most, and it's the last dinner that you will ever be able to share, them with, share with them, what would you say? If this was the last meal that you would have, and this is the last conversation that you were going to be able to have with the people that you loved the most, what would be the words on your lips? This is what Jesus spends his time doing, giving his final words. And so in this point, he stops. He pauses for a second, and he looks into the hearts of each one of his disciples as he would look into your heart and mine, and he says, oh, I know what you really want. You want to be happy. You want to have joy. And then he starts this conversation. He starts this talk. And he says, I know how you can get it. So let's look at it. He goes, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Now we're going to come back to that. But I need you to see. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. What is a vine? A vine is this plant or that produces something, let's say grapes, right? And it produces these grapes. And from the root of the vine, does every part of the vine receive its sustenance, its nutrients, and its fruitfulness? In other words, insofar as you are attached to the vine, that's when you get all the things that you need, all the provision that you should have, and the fruitfulness, in, in one case a grape, in another case an olive, but you get the fruitfulness that you need. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Why would he say I'm the true vine? Because there are things in this world that will promise you the world and not deliver a block. There are things in this world that will promise you all the sustenance, all the joy, all the fruitfulness that you could possibly desire and deliver nothing at all. There are things in this world, I'll love you forever. Yeah, but will you make it till the end of the month? You see, there are things in this world that will promise you forever and not deliver. I, mean, I love walking by trees, especially when, they're, um, when I see these carvings that are a little older, and they say, Mary and Jose forever, 1975. And I go, I wonder how true that was. Because chances are carvings last longer than that. And not because all our relationships are going to deteriorate or anything like that, but because if you put your joy in those things, is having romantic relationships a bad thing? Of course not. It's when you put, it's when it's your vine. Is having money bad? No! But it's when it's your vine. If it's your olive, it's cool. If it's the fruit that's produced by the blessing of being connected with Jesus, then enjoy your money, pimp your ride, live in your house, do you. Like, it's all right, but listen to me. It's when it's the vine. 
Because here's what we do. Listen to me. That which I am the true vine. I am the true vine. When we try to make something else other than Jesus the vine, we crush it. We crush it. Just find anyone in this congregation. You don't even have to go outside of this room to find out someone that they put all their hopes and dreams on. And you know what you'll discover? When that person failed them, they hated them. Because that which we deify, we eventually demonize. That which we, event, that which we say, you are my God, you are my joy, you are my vine. Moms, listen to me. Your kids are good. They're not God. And you will crush them if you make them out to be the ultimate joy in your happiness. Jesus says, I'm the true vine because there's so many counterfeits out there. I am the true vine because the temptation is great to find your sustenance, your joy in other things. I am the true vine because you'll be tempted to run off to something else. I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So there's this group of people, the branches that Jesus is, the vines that Jesus is talking about, the branches that get cut off, those are people who come to church, who sing the Christian songs, speak the Christian language, dress in the Christian clothes, and eat the Christian cookies, who Jesus says, I have no idea who you are. I have no idea. You see, you see, it is very possible to come to Jesus with ulterior motives. It's possible. Nobody likes to be used. Does anybody here like to be used? Raise your hand if you just love to be used. Oh, I just love use me. Come with me. Come to me with ulterior motives. That's what I want. I want you to pretend like you love me, but you really only want something else. That's what I like. That's what I'm looking for in my own life. Nobody would say that, right? You know why? Because it's horrible. And yet we do it with Jesus all the time. We say, Jesus, Jesus, here's my wife. And she's having, you know, we're having problems and our relationship is going to pot. And would you just help? And I will even come to church for a whole month if you fix this marriage. And if you're here, and that's why you came, I'm not mad at you, I'm glad you're here. I listen, I didn't come here because I was happy. I came here because my, my body was on fire. And I needed, I, needed, I needed something other than the stuff that I was pursuing. So if that's you, but I'm saying if it remains there, what will happen is that when Jesus doesn't, when the true God doesn't give you your God, you leave him to find someone else who will. And so you'll be a Christian this month, you'll be a Buddhist next month, you'll be a Muslim, until you find something that keeps your wife and the relationship going. This is death. See, the problem is in our society, even in Christian society, watch, has anybody here ever, raise your hand if you've ever watched Christian um, TV, like, like, you know, a sermon or anything like that. Man, it's scary sometimes because all it seems to do is reinforce your self-centeredness. I'm already self-centered enough. I don't need any more reinforcement. But even our Christian messages 
are reinforcing our self-centeredness, are saying, do you want to be happy? Here's four steps to be happy. Do you want to be do you want to be uh, rich? Here's seven steps to be rich. Do you want to be prosperous? Here's eight things you have to do to be prosperous. Do you want to be healed? Here's two things you have to do to be healed. And I'm telling you, you're starting at the wrong place. That does not, listen, that stuff is the fruit, not the root. The root is Christ. The root of our joy is in Christ so that when my wife goes crazy and is not satisfying me and is absolutely being difficult for me to deal with, my joy is not shaken because my joy was not found in my wife. When the kids are bugging out and they're going way off and I'm concerned about them, listen to me, listen to me. My joy is not shaken because my joy is found in Christ. That when the, when the finances stop coming in or when I get the pink slip or when I lose the job, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm studious, I put in the footwork, I try to get another job, but that's not, I don't want to kill myself because my joy wasn't in the job or the money in the first place. It was in my Lord. See, you already are clean, verse 3. You already are clean, because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus is going to hit this over and over and over again. Here's the deal. Here's what Jesus is saying. You see this stick right here? This one at one time was attached to a tree. And it's very possible that it looked exactly the way it does right now. You see, there, there might be no difference between this being attached in terms of how it looks. Might be no difference. We would look at it and we'd go, oh yeah, it looks exactly the same as it did when it was attached to the tree. But you do know it's dead, right? There's no life in it. You can see, here's the thing. Jesus is saying, you might look alive, not attached from me, not attached to me. You might look like everyone else does, you might, find, you might find that being separated from Christ might be easier for you. Oh, life is easier. I get to do my own thing. I get to watch whatever I want to watch. I get to do it. I don't have to feel a guilty conscience or anything like that. And Jesus is saying, you're dead, though. You're dead. Not like you're weak. Not like you can't make it. You know, not like you need a little bit more help. You're dead. You're dead. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do, anybody know the next word is? Nothing, nothing. Listen to me. You will, want, you will want to produce things in your life. Let me tell you some of the fruit that you want to produce in your life. Don't, who here wants to produce the fruit of love? Right, anybody? Yeah, sure. You won't be able to produce that love. You won't. It'll be too self-centered. It'll look like love. It will sometimes behave like love, even only in, when it's in so far that it's in line with what you want. It'll feel like love sometimes. It's dead. It's dead. What about joy? Anybody here want joy? Yeah. You could fake joy. 
What about peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness? What about self-control? See, these are all fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus says that you might be able to fake it for a minute, but you won't. You won't be alive. You'll be dead. You can produce none of these things. Which, by the way, if I can just take a moment, this may, right now, be very descriptive of your life up to this point. You go, man, why, am I, why do I continue to struggle with this thing? I keep on going back to it. I keep on going. I know, I know. Pick me, pick me. I know. Because you find your joy in that thing. Listen to me. Who's like the prettiest girl in movies now? I don't watch movies, but who's like the prettiest girl in movies? Somebody shoot out a name. Marilyn Monroe. Okay, that's, she's old, though. Um, and, and she's dead. Um, so let's try to pick someone who's not dead. Who's like not dead? And, um, and so, no, but thank you. That was wonderful. We appreciate you. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, what was it? Jennifer Lopez. J-Lo. Okay, right? Scarlett Johansson. Let's go with Scarlett Johansson, okay? Um, oh, she was on the Avengers, right? Pretty girl. Okay. So say for instance, say for instance... Now, what I'm trying to do with this illustration is I'm trying to prove that when your joy is in Christ, no other thing can pull you. Do you get that point? And here's the big idea I'm trying to get across. That when our joy comes from being joined with Jesus, nothing can pull us apart. Nothing can seduce us. Nothing can move us away. So say, for instance, Scarlett Johansson came up to me, right? And let's say I, you know, I'm not married or anything like that. Just for a second, let's just use our imagination. Right? And so, like, not married, five kids, and not a pastor of this church. Let's just use a real lot of our imagination, right? But say Scarlett Johansson, you know, and when I say Scarlett Johansson, I really mean Liz Cologne, right? But uh, you can use Scarlett Johansson in your mind, right? So let's say Scarlett Johansson comes to meet with me, right? And Scarlett Johansson's there, and she goes, Edwin, I want to meet with you. I said, really, Scarlett? I was thinking the same thing. She said, I would like to take you out for dinner at 8 o'clock on Saturday evening. Are you available? I said, well, Liz Cologne, I will make myself available (laughs) at 8 o'clock. You sure you don't have anything on your schedule? I'm pretty sure it's not as important as this. I will make it. And she says, fine. Now, let's say, for instance, at 6 o'clock that evening when I'm getting ready to go, there is a 97-year-old man who walks up to my house knocks on the door and is wearing like a, a, a Speedo, right? And comes up to me and says, hubba, hubba, come here, come on. Uh, is this party over here? Come over here. There's a good time over here. Only you have to give up your time with Scarlett Johansson. Would that be even hard, remotely hard, easy? Would, that be, would there be any kind of temptation in that? No, there wouldn't. You know why? Because that doesn't attract me because of the beauty of this one. Come close. The reason that you and I get pulled back to that drug, the reason that you and I get pulled back to that girl, that guy, that finance, is because we've flipped it. We've made Jesus the person, in the, the 95-year-old guy in the Speedo, and we've made the vine the source of our joy, this thing. You know why you keep on going back? It's because that's where joy is found for you. 
You don't do anything you don't think you'll find joy from. Nothing. Anything you do twice is because you found joy in it, some level of joy in it, even if it was someone else's approval, even if it was painful to you, but as long as you got someone else's approval, you'll do it for joy. But when Jesus is the beautiful one, when Jesus is the thing that stirs our affections, when Jesus is the vine that opens our hearts and longs for us, oh man, there's not a thing in this world that can pull us from him because he's beautiful, he's wonderful, he satisfies, he delivers joy, he fulfills. It's in the vine. It's in seeing Jesus as beautiful. You wonder why you keep on running to something else? Because you don't see Jesus as beautiful. You wonder why you click on those things? You wonder why you keep on pursuing that way of life? You wonder why? You wonder why you keep on doing that which you wish you had not done or did not do? The reason is simple. It's because you find the source of your joy. You find your vine in that. Skip down to verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now look up at me. This is absolutely true with any parent-child relationship, right? No, no parent, right? You tell your kid consistently, hey, go to school. They don't go to school. Hey, do your homework. They don't do their homework. Hey, come back at 9 o'clock, and they come back the next day, right? That kid, if he said, but I love you, you would go, no, 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 no. If you loved me, you'd obey my commands. If there was, if there was any kind of love between us, there would be a reciprocation in, the, in light of you obeying my commands. Listen to me. Jesus says it looks an awful lot. Why? Why? Because what Jesus has for you is so much better. You know what Jesus has for you? He has Jesus. You know what the reward of following Jesus is? It's Jesus. Jesus is the reward for following Jesus. He says, I'll give you more of me. Yeah, yeah, but 20 years from now, listen to me, 20 years from now, you're finding your joy in that in that career, but 20 years from now, when you go through this cancer scare, you're going to need peace, and the career won't give it to you. I will. Because Jesus knows the future. So he goes, listen to me. Abide in me. Remain in me, and you will have joy. I have told you this. I love this. Everybody read verse 11 with me. This is, this is the big deal in this verse. One, two, three. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Did you see that? Whenever you see a so that in the Bible, whenever you see a so that, what the purpose of the so that is to, t- is to give an explanation for the command or the idea that you just heard. Does that make sense? So like if I go, um, hey, let me give you this money so that you can buy uh, yourself and me some soda. Okay, so what am I doing? I'm giving you the purpose on why I'm giving you the money, right? Jesus is telling us the purpose of us being attached to the vine, and it's this. So that 
my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Listen to me. You will be pursuing joy. You will be pursuing happiness. You will be pursuing something to make you satisfied. And Jesus is saying, if you attach yourself to anything else. So say, for instance, you attach yourself to money. Here's what you discover. You discover that you won't be happy. You won't. Say, for instance, you attach yourself to a relationship. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy money or that you can't enjoy a relationship. I'm saying if you attach your joy to it. You, it's not, you're not made for that. You're not made for that. So, Jesus is saying, I'm saying for you to be attached to me, for you to think on me, so that my joy, the joy that Jesus has, the joy that he has, isn't it, what does it say in Hebrews? Uh, for the joy... Let us put, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the effect of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Think about this for a second. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. How can we have joys fixing our eyes on Jesus? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and said, let me tell you something, you can endure cancer if your eyes are fixed on Jesus. You can endure relational horror if your eyes are fixed on Jesus. Your body can totally break down and you can have great joy. If your joy is not yours, if your joy is in Christ, your joy can be made complete because his joy will be made in you. Listen to me. If you, listen, it, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the effect of our faith, who for the joy set before him, you can endure a cross. You can endure. Why? Because Jesus did it for you. So, in closing, in closing, what are you going to do? Here's, here's a suggestion this week. This week, I want you to look at the things that you get upset with. Do you know what you get upset with? And I want you to proclaim out loud, my joy ain't in you. My joy is in Christ. That's what I want to. So what happens? So he, he calls, and you go, oh, no, I'm not answering. You know why? Because my joy ain't in you. My joy is in Christ. Or here's another one. He doesn't call. <laughs> and you're looking at the phone, and you're going, that's all right, because my joy ain't in you. My joy is in Christ. You go for the job interview, and you walk away, and you go, Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. And they call, and you go, thank you very much. I appreciate the job. Jesus, I'm so grateful for you. And the reason that you're thanking Jesus is because my joy ain't in the job. My joy is in Jesus. But now watch this. The job doesn't call. And you go, that's okay, because my joy is not in joblessness. My joy is in Jesus. Listen to me. Listen to me. The kids do what you say. The kids don't do what you say. This is all right. Listen. My joy ain't in you. Now, now watch this. If I have a kid who's 21 years old and he keeps on using and I've tried everything that I can to help him, I, I just simply say, my joy is not in you. My joy is in Christ. So I can change the locks without having to feel guilty. 
because all of my joy is wrapped around him saying, oh, I love you, mom. You're always there for me. That's not where my joy is. My joy is in Christ, and I need you to suffer with the consequences of your own actions. I do. I don't get the medical report that I desired. And they say, you're going to have to come back, and it looks like a lot of um, medicine and all that other stuff. You go, let's do it. I remember Howard Hendricks was a, um, was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. Some of the most famous preachers today took his class on how to study the Bible. At around 70 or 80 years old, he went to a, a doctor, and the doctor said um, he had uh, cancer, and they were going to have to take out, pluck, literally pluck out his eye. And he wore a patch, like those pirate patches, for the rest of his life. You know what he told the doctor? He said, so when's the operation? Because his joy wasn't in his eyesight. His, he was looking forward to a joy. Listen, he was going to get a body that had better than 20-20 vision. I can endure anything because I have Christ. You see, if the job doesn't come through, then I trust Jesus to provide. Because my joy is not in the job providing for me. It's Jesus providing for me. If my body, if the doctor says, you're going to die in two months, then I can go. I am going to spend forever with Jesus. And listen to me. I'll keep a light open. I'll keep a light on for you on the porch for when you get there. You see, because my joy doesn't come from my lover. My joy doesn't come from my job. My joy doesn't come from what others think of me. My joy doesn't come from having power. My joy doesn't come from my comfort. My joy comes from my Christ. And so, throughout this week, my joy doesn't come from you. My joy comes from Jesus. I pray that for you. Especially for you moms when your hearts can be broken and your hearts can be crushed because of what's happening. Or maybe, or maybe you wish you could have been a mom and your body never gave you the opportunity or you never found the right person. Listen to me. My joy is not in having my children. My joy is in my Jesus who can help me to love others' children with the joy that he gives. It's my prayer for you, Mom. It's my prayer for you, Arhal. Let's pray. You are our joy. Jesus, as we go on throughout the week, and other things get us frustrated, and other things break our hearts. Remind us, O oh Lord, that the fullness of our joy is found in Christ. Remind us that when our body breaks down, you will give us a new body. Remind us when provision is not met in our jobs or with our families, Lord, that you provide better than anyone else. Remind us that when we're feeling depressed, that there'll be a time where you wipe away every tear from every eye. Remind us, oh God, 
That when we're full of anxiety, we can know that the end of the story ends that you win. And that we get you in heaven. There's joy in Jesus. Remind us to speak that back to the things that hurt us. All throughout this week and prayerfully even longer. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.